Welcome everyone to the podcast, Your Destiny Starts Today. This is Rabbi Gavriel Jackton, and I'm so grateful you're joining me in this lifetime journey together. Every single day brings with it new and unique challenges, tests, and surprises. That's how the Almighty intended it. It's our universal mission to make the right choices based on the eternal wisdom of our Creator, to be the greatest version of ourselves. Our destiny depends on it. Good afternoon, folks. This is Gavriel Jack, and I want to thank you for joining me on the very first episode, my very first episode, of Your Destiny Starts Today. I want to thank Rabbi Nassim Dubin, who is the inspiration behind this podcast. He thought that perhaps I want to share, and he would listen. I said, okay, listen. If you'll listen, it's worth it. But maybe if you also add my mother and my wife. So that's already three people listening. That's awesome for me. But um, I'm just a regular guy trying to grow in life, trying to be a better person. I love learning different wisdom, certainly from the Torah, but even also from secular books. There's so much wisdom out there, and we'll talk about it, but really that's what life's about, learning the wisdom, but more importantly, applying the wisdom to our lives, really applying it. That's the challenge. So I also want to thank Dan Coleman. Dan Coleman spent hours with the technical equipment, getting me started with the microphone and all the other gadgets to really help this podcast sound wonderful. All right, so who am I and why am I even starting this podcast? So like I said, my name is Gavriel Jackton. I'm just a regular guy, and I want to grow. I want to become the best I can be, and I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. I certainly love reading books. Torah is my number one the Torah, all the books, the, the writings, the prophets, the Talmud, the mission of the Gemara, all the contemporary, the ra rabbis and sages. But I also very much enjoy the secular wisdom, how to win friends and influence people, um, thinking grow rich, uh, Jim Rohn, listening to Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins. These people are fantastic. They have wonderful messages to share. They're motivational. And I love it. And I thought that maybe I can also add a twist. So what this podcast is going to be about is a combination of perhaps me just sharing some ideas I'm thinking about based on Torah as well as some secular wisdom. Also, we hope to have some interviews. And we want to make something spontaneous. And when you get used to me and when I get used to you, then hopefully I'll be able to um, let loose with my sense of humor, which I think is a God-given uh, gift that Hashem gave me that I have a sense of humor and uh, thank God some people find me humorous and hopefully you will too and if you don't then I'll have to laugh at myself and that's pretty embarrassing so hopefully you will laugh when I could be myself but you have to give me some time so I want to start with just telling you about myself and why I came to this journey so really I grew up on Long Island, on Long Island Port Jefferson and uh, my memories was that it was a pretty good time, Port Jeff. I was in public school. I would say my family raised me as traditional, a traditional Jew. Uh, Shabbat, holidays, for those who are familiar. Then it was my grandmother's wish that my brother and I, just had one older brother, that we should have a proper Jewish education. So we moved to Queens where we were enrolled in the yeshiva. 
um, more like a modern Orthodox yeshiva, again, for those who are familiar. And I can't say I fit in, so, so uh, I wasn't such a good fit. Certainly, I was a little bit short. That didn't help. I was a little pudgy, and that didn't help either. But it was a real difficult time. You know, people already had their friends, and I didn't. And uh, my experience was not such a positive one, unfortunately. So eventually, I asked my parents if I can be enrolled in a public school. And really, I didn't give them a choice. I was leaving. And there I went to public school, and I felt a little more myself, a little less pressure, new environment, new setting. And uh, then I went to public high school. I was, again, there was a public junior high, and then public high school. And there I was already getting back to my sports. I became captain of the tennis team, captain of the track team, cross country. Felt good about myself. And my journey continued when I, was, I decided I'm going to go to Binghamton University, upstate New York. There I got back into my Jewish roots, um, started getting involved with the Chabad house over there, Rabbi Slonim, wonderful people. And at the same time, my older brother was also getting turned back on to Judaism, thinking about life, what's life all about, is there a God, these questions. So with my brother's convincing as well as me thinking about it, I said, you know what, after I graduated, let me try out going to Israel and being in yeshiva. And I ended up going to Isha Torah, uh, based on the guidance of my brother, well as seeing some other people that had gone to Isha Torah and seemed to really enjoy it. And Isha Torah, for those who know, it's re right across from the Western World, the Kotel. And that really changed my life. Just being in Israel, they say that Israel, the land makes you wiser, right? You really feel the Almighty's presence and it was really special. And I met wonderful, wonderful rabbis. I still have relationships to many of the friends who went there. But that really opened my eyes to the fact that there is a God and that Judaism is so special. And sometimes people mess up. People are not always perfect. But certainly God is perfect. And perhaps that was my experience, and that was my new awakening. So I got inspired to, to learn more about my Judaism, learn more about what is Torah all about. And I particularly love the self-growth. You know, so much of Torah is into character development, breaking our character, our, our per bad personality traits, anger, jealousy, these things that can really ruin relationships and can ruin us and that was very meaningful to me as well as well as the rest of the Torah. Learning what is what is, Torah really is instructions for living. What am I supposed to do with my life? What is life all about? And as I learned and spent many years in yeshiva, ten years on and off different yeshivas, I realized that this is something I want to also share. I want to share the new awakening, the purpose, the meaning. Because I feel so many people we go through life just out of habit. We're just we're on cruise control, driving that car without thinking. And the more we can say, stop, pause, I'm in control, what's life about? That's when life can truly begin. And that's also why we entitled this podcast, Your Destiny Starts Today, because you can be going the wrong direction. Jim Rohn says this beautifully. Person can be going the wrong direction. Imagine you're on your way from Houston to San Antonio. But you realize after about an hour drive and you're going the wrong direction.
I mean, who in their right mind would continue to go the wrong direction? Anyone intelligent would realize, you know what? Stop. Gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe it. I'm going the wrong direction. I have to make a U-turn to go the other direction. And that's what we're about here. We recognize that sometimes we might not be going in the, wrong, the, the, right, the, right, the right direction. We might not be going in the right direction, but that's okay. We're going to stop. We're going to turn around. And we're going to start going the right direction. And why not today? The famous teaching from Ethics of Our Fathers, if not now, when? You got to start today. So thank you for joining me. Let's start today on our journey to reach our unique mission in this world. And a parable I like to share is, you know, my family loves making puzzles. We love making these 2,000-piece puzzles. Now, my job is to watch everyone else do it because I'm terrible at it, you know. But I like to watch and my wife knows which piece to put in. And my kids, they're amazing at doing this. Me, I know maybe how to open the box. That's about, that's my participation with the puzzle. And maybe hiding the last two pieces and then putting them in as if I know what I'm doing. But besides that, think about a puzzle. Every single piece is unique and different. And you can't just squeeze one piece into the space. It's not going to fit. Some puzzles have bigger pieces and smaller pieces, right? That's who we are. Every single person is unique puzzle piece. We are unique. What's my puzzle piece? I am not the other person. We all need each other. We need each other to complete the puzzle. We need each other to complete this world, to do our unique job in this world. And you can't try to squeeze yourself into another space. It's not going to work. You have to be your unique puzzle piece. And as long as we all contribute to the puzzle, we can complete the picture. But if not, we're left with an empty picture. Or we're left with trying to squeeze ourselves into areas in our life that just doesn't work. That's not us. Be you. Be your unique puzzle piece, my friends. Same thing with a baseball team. Nine players on a team. Yeah, maybe the pitcher gets more honor than the catcher, but I need you as a catcher. You have to be the best catcher. No one can do your job as well as you do. You need to be the first baseman. You need to be the second baseman. We all need to be each other to complete the game and to have the best team possible. Folks, that's what it's about. And I think the first question we need to ask ourselves is, who are you? Right? Now, the Torah defines us as a piece of God. You know, God built us from the ground, but he also blew of himself into us, right? It says explicitly in the Torah, in chapter 2, verse 7, in Bereshis, Genesis, and Hashem God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he blew into his nostrils the soul of life, and man became a living being. We are soul. We're not just body. When you can live life recognizing that you're a soul. I'm a soul man. I'm a soul man. We're a soul. We're not just a body. We are a body also. But we're not just a body. We're a soul. Everything changes. Everything changes. First of all, how you look at other people. You can have different opinions. But I'm a soul and they're a soul. And... Life is much better. I'm a I have godliness to me. You have godliness to you. We all have godliness. And one of that 
one of the unique features of man above everyone else, above animals, is our ability to speak. You're listening to me right now. It's unbelievable. I want to share something from an incredible book, Chavetz Chaim, A Lesson a Day on Laws of Proper Speech in Judaism. It says the following, right from the overview. This is not a book about your tongue. It is a book about your essence, the person Hashem, the Almighty, created you to be. The Torah's laws of speech, whose observance is capsulized by the timeless term Shmiras Alashem, which means guarding the tongue, constitute the Almighty's plan for how people should live with each other. They are the tools that the Torah has given us to remove anger, bitterness, and jealousy from our hearts and to eliminate strife, hurt, and divisiveness from the Jewish people. When we examine the workings of our words, we come to see that they, more than any other human capacity, define us. What we say and how we say it is who we are. Angry, hurtful words define an angry, hurtful person. Kind, considerate words define a kind, considerate person. On that note, you know, I have to tell you, I'm a very much how type of guy. And I don't know how many of you can relate to what I'm saying. But sometimes a person can say something. And their tone of voice just doesn't work for me, you know? When they say it in a calmer, sweeter way, wow, does it enter me. Wow, does that change, that make a difference? I don't know, hopefully y'all can uh, agree with me on this one or let me know what you think. By the way, my email is rabbi at bjchouston.org. That's B as in Bel Air, J as in Jewish, C as in Center, Houston.org. I really would love your feedback, your comments, your questions, your criticisms. Okay, keep the criticisms to a download. My first episode, people, take it easy, right? But besides that, I'd love to hear from you. All right. So, yes, what we say, how we say, you know, Rabbi Victor Miller says another beautiful idea. And this is a concept that the secular world has definitely adapted. And that is that. One of the concepts in Judaism is you're supposed to greet everyone with a smile. Good morning. Nice to see you. Open those teeth nice and wide, right? And, you know, he says, ah, you don't mean it. Do it anyway, right? Think about it. He says, if you want to be real with who you are. No, I'm not going to say good morning because I don't feel like it. I don't feel it in my heart. He says, it's only going to get worse. 20 years later, you're going to be really bitter. But he says, when you, and this concept, fake it till you make it. When you smile, you say, good morning, so nice to see you. And you, okay, you're faking it. But you do it day after day after day. He says, something's going to hit. It's a gift from God. It's the soul that wants to do the right thing. Boom, suddenly you mean it. And you really do become caring. When you show caring acts, you become caring. We're going to talk about so many, so many things. So many things. But again, this is the very first episode and I do have a tendency to be a little bit all over the place. But I think that's the first thing that we need to recognize, that we're a soul. We're an Hashem. We have a piece of God. And that's also why it says in the Torah that when God finished creating the world on the sixth day, he said, It's very good. Everything else was good. You know, I once heard a beautiful parable to this, that when you're building a car, you know, there's a steering wheel. That's good. There's tires. That's good. But it's not going to be complete. It's not going to drive until you have the full car with all its pieces together. He says, when man was created, everything fit. Tov ma'od, right? It was the completion of the world. 
You don't build a house unless you want people to fill it and use it. So to this beautiful world we have, with the sun and the moon, the stars, the trees, the grass, the animals, everything, the clouds, it's all for mankind to appreciate and say thank you, Hashem, for this beautiful world. Also, on this idea of Tov Ma'od, very good, is everything else is just Tov is good, which Tov is, is excellent, good. But Tov Ma'od, very good? How do you define very? So, again, that's the soul inside of us. There's no limit to how much we can grow, to how far we can go on that elevation to our spiritual growth, to becoming a better person. You know, we look at life as an infinite line of free will choices. You know, what makes us unique and human is our free will. We choose. But what does it mean we choose? I'm not going to choose to kill somebody or not randomly on the street, right? That's not even my free will radar. Free will, as Judaism describes it, is the point in time that you have that actual challenge between do I do it yes, do I not? For me, it's always about food. I go into that pantry and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm thinking when I open that pantry. When I open that pantry, I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is, a nice bag of potato chips, right? Now, I would say most of the time I'm not even on that free will point. But when I am, I'm trying to watch my weight, and I look at that potato chips, and I say, oh, man, do I go for the chips, or do I not? Maybe I should have a bite of an apple instead. She eat an apple, fruit, vegetable. Two seconds later, the bag of chips is gone. But besides that, that's an example, really, of free will choice. Where is that point of your choices? And as someone who is involved in Jewish outreach, you know, certainly... I want, would love for certain Jewish people to choose to keep the Sabbath. For them, it might be a challenge. Do I keep it? Do I not? For some people, it's not even on the radar yet. They're not even on that level. It's miles above them. For others, of course, keeping Shabbos is a given. Just like not killing someone's a given. Keeping the kosher is a given. But do I speak negative about somebody else? That may be on their point of free will. So our job, Tov Ma'od, is to grow and grow and grow and to keep growing. And even if the, the whole idea is to just to grow a little bit, to say, you know what, last year I struggled with this choice. Do I go for the bag of potato chips or I go for the apple? Now I for sure go for the potato chips. No, I for sure go for the apple. For sure. It's not even a question. That means you grew, right? Very, very important to constantly look to grow and to take those baby steps so you can say, wow, here I am, a year later, a different person. Here I am, five years later, a different person. And that's part of this growth we're looking at. Your destiny starts today. That to start asking yourselves, as all the motivational speakers talk about, what's your goal in one year, five years, ten years? Like, And maybe it's overwhelming for you, but, but do it. What do I want to do? How do I want to be different in one year? Because if you don't, put it on paper, and you don't think about it, chances are it's not going to happen. It's just not. When you're in control, you're not in that cruise control anymore. You're saying, I'm taking charge. And of course it's hard. It's not meant to be easy, right? Getting close to Hashem is the greatest pleasure in the world, in this world and the next, 
Of course, not easy, but there's no pleasure like it. So that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. Now, I want to also just share some of our, my heroes, right? And hopefully they're your heroes too. But the more we live our lives with the prerequisite that we are a soul, as I mentioned earlier, everything changes. So you look at one of our heroes in the Torah, Abraham. Avraham, right? Now, Avraham really is like the father of the Jewish people. And he was known for his outstanding kindness. I would say that no one in the world compares to the level of Avram when it comes to kindness. And the classic story goes that, right from the Torah, that he gave himself a bris, a circumcision, at 100 years old. Maybe he was 99. 99 years old. Okay, rather, same thing. And there he was in tremendous pain. They say the third day of the bris is extremely painful. I mean, I certainly remember I couldn't walk for the first year after my bris. Get out of here. I was a baby. Of course I couldn't walk. But, okay, Avram was 99 years old. You understand? He's an adult. He's an older man. And he's in tremendous pain. And you have to understand something. Avram understood the concept that he is like God. Godliness is inside of him. And God, many times in the Torah, tells us that we need to be like God. Just like God is compassionate, we have to be compassionate. Just like God is kind, we have to be kind, etc. So Avram knew this, and he lived this. Because he was a soul, and he recognized that. So here he was, 99 years old, third day of his circumcision. God made it extremely hot outside. If those who know Houston, you'll know that you walk from your house to your car, and you're sweating more than a guy in Colorado doing a 10-mile hike because it's so hot here. It's so hot here that the cockroaches decide to leave town in Houston. Let me tell you, that's how hot it is here. But anyway, there is Avram in the heat of the day, hotter than Houston looking outside his house for guests because for him he just wants to give that's what his life is about that's what his essence is about he wants to give he wants to share and he saw these three quote-unquote people from a distance truth is they were angels say the commentary but they were there to test Avram and he saw Avram saw that that they did not want to trouble him they saw this old man probably limping with bandages. Not going to trouble him, but that didn't bother Avram. He ran after them. He says, please, you got to come to my house. You got to let me share some food. You got to let me feed you. You got to let me, like, who has hosts like this? Usually, I don't know about you, but usually, hey, uh, Joe, would you mind uh, having me for a meal? Uh, okay, one second, one second. Uh, Sally, uh, Jackton's calling. Should we, should we have him? Uh, what does he want? He wants to come over for, for a meal. Fine, you know, he can bring his own food. You know, like most people, thank God, uh, people are much better than that. But nobody's like Avram. You know, he's running after you. Do me the favor by coming in my house, coming in my tent, and let me feed you. And he says, I'll just give you a little bit of water, a little bit of cake. I don't want you to think that I'm troubling you. So sure enough, they came in, and he ran. He got his... 
Sarah, his wife involved, and his Ishmael involved, and his and all the people in his house involved. Get this, do this, and they made them steak. They made them a feast. So we learned so many lessons from Avram. When it comes to kindness, first of all, say a little and do a lot. Run to do the kindness. First of all, running helps because people aren't waiting. They're not waiting for you to serve them. They're they're run. Don't keep them waiting. You know, you ask someone, hey, you might get an income order? Sure. Like, you know, 10 minutes later. The ideal way to do kindness is to run. Do it right away. Don't keep them waiting. He did it with a smile. He said, you're doing me the favor. No, 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 no. You think, you see, we live in an opposite world. We think it's all about what do I get? What do I get? And this is something we're going to work on together. But it's not. The more we live as a soul, the more we get pleasure from the giving aspect. Giving kindness. Giving charity. Giving happiness to others. That's really how we get the true kindness, the true happiness, the true love, the true wealth. So... That's what Avram did. He ran. He said a little, did a lot. He did it with a smile. He got his family involved. He was no excuses, Avram. There's nothing to get, nothing that's going to get in my way of doing kindness for somebody else. I want to give. I want to be like the Almighty Himself, the Almighty who is overwhelmingly giving to each and every one of us. He just gives and gives and gives. And if he doesn't give, that's because we created the rock that's blocking the spring of goodness. We put the block there, the rock, the block. But when we can remove it by doing tshuva, repenting, saying we're sorry, that's when the overflowing kindness comes back to each and every one of us. So that was Avram. He was a hero. You learn about Avram. You learn what it's like to do kindness on the highest level. Really, the Torah is broken down into the 613 commandments, as well as the storyline, as Reverend Reddy um, eloquently puts it. And the storyline teaches us lessons, lessons of kindness, like Avram. We also learn plenty of lessons of what not to do when it comes to jealousy, when it comes to running after honor, all these things. And we're going to learn that together. But again, we're going to combine the Torah wisdom we're going to combine the secular wisdom, and we're going to see that it's really all in one. Sometimes the secular wisdom, they bring out beautiful ideas in a way that maybe wasn't expressed from the Torah. and But it's really, it's all one. And Rav Noach Weinberg of Blessed Memory said that what life's about is being a student of life. You want to learn. You want to grow. Knowledge is not just power. Knowledge plus action is power. We want to grow, learn the wisdom and apply it to our lives. That's when we become better people. That's how we start our journey to greatness. That's how we can reach our destiny. I want to just share one last thing for today's episode, and I'll let you guys go, for those who are still listening. So in Mishlei Proverbs, um, Solomon, King, King Shlomo, he was only 12 years old when he was anointed as the successor to his great father, King David. God appeared to him in a prophetic dream and said, request what I should give you. It was the young king's great opportunity. Anything could have been his for the asking, and there was much that he needed. He knew that his half-brother, 
Adonaja, I think that's how you pronounce the name, in at least in English, I'm reading here from the introduction, aspired to the throne and had tried to seize it. Israel was not truly safe from its surrounding enemies who had often invaded, even in the days of the mighty David. Solomon's fledgling, fledgling reign had no guarantee of the prosperity that is important to make a nation support its leader. Young though he was, however, one thing mattered to Solomon above all others. The young king took full advantage of the divine offer. He asked for the most precious thing in the world. Quote, you have done a great kindness with your servant David, my father, because he walked before you with truth and justice and with uprightness of heart with you. And you have preserved for him this great kindness and you have granted him a son who sits on his throne this very day. And now, Hashem, my God, you have crowned your servant in place of David, my father. But I am a young lad. Remember, he's only 12. I do not know how to go out and how to come in, i.e. how to lead. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a large nation that can neither be counted nor numbered because of its abundance. May you grant your servant an understanding heart, meaning wisdom, to judge your people, to distinguish between good and evil. For who can judge this formidable people of yours? And that's straight from Kings. So Shlomo wanted wisdom more than anything else. Listen to what it says. Solomon chose what was most important to him. All he wanted was the ability to judge God's people according to his Torah. So he ignored all his other needs and asked only for wisdom. God's answer is well known. He said that because Solomon requested wisdom instead of longevity, instead of riches, instead of victory over his enemies, God would have all of these. He could, sorry, he could have had all of these. God promised him a long reign, riches, dominion, and God said, Behold, I have given you a wise, understanding heart, such as there has never been anyone like you before, nor will anyone like you ever arise. Solomon became the wisest man who ever lived. He awoke and realized that it had been a dream, but not an ordinary one. The dream had been prophetic. According to Rabbi Yitzhak, Solomon could tell the divine promise of the dream had been fulfilled because he was able to understand even the braying of donkeys and the chirping of birds. And really, God gave him everything because that was his request. Because I want to know you. If I'm a soul, then all I want is a connection to you, Hashem, the Almighty. That's all I want. And in order to have that, I need the wisdom. I need the understanding. And not just the wisdom and understanding, but the trust and belief, the moon and mitachon, to live that wisdom. So that should conclude today's podcast. I want to really thank each and every one of you for listening. Once again, thank you, Reverend Nelson Dubin, for sponsoring today's very first episode. And stay with me, folks. Again, it's like my first date. I'm on the first date. I'm, I'm just getting warmed up. I'm getting used to this. Hopefully, we'll grow together. We'll change together. We'll continue the mission of leading our destiny one day at a time. And we'll remember that our lesson from today is we are souls. And the more we recognize that we're souls, the more awesome every day becomes. And our challenges become that much lighter, knowing that we're just a piece of God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks.